0: Thanks Ian and Kath. Good morning everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, We're going to continue our series today on um, uh, reality TV, a compare and contrast type thing. So we're comparing what the world says about a topic and then what um, uh, God says in his word about this particular topic. We've looked at love, we've looked at marriage and today we're looking at better homes and reality. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. If you're a visitor here today, great to have you here. My name's Graeme, i the minister here. I hope you feel welcome and at home. It's good to have you here together. Now before I keep going, uh, kids, this is an opportunity for you to go and grab one of those little, little sheety things you can fill in and colour in and then come back and sit with mum and dad. Uh, we'll give the kids a moment to do that and why not? rather than me just tell a story and keep talking, why don't you guys just say hello to the people around you for a minute? Do that, and then uh, we'll come back together. Okay. I think we're done. You can uh, follow up those conversations over morning tea. Uh, Please feel free to hang around. Um, I'm going to give you a bit of homework over morning tea as well to to think about and talk to the, the people around you as well. Now, just saw Sarah and Carl here. A little wilder here today? I presume he is. Yeah, left him at home. He's in there, is he? Congratulations, guys. Wonderful to have uh, a new addition to our little church. Carl can't actually see us. There he is. He's waving. Good. There we go. Good. All right, folks, how about I pray for us and um, uh, we look into God's word today. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. We thank you, God, that you're God who speaks to us. We do thank you for little Wilder. Uh, we we thank you for his good health and Sarah's as well. Um, we pray that you'd be blessing them and uh, thank you for the life that you give us. Uh, Lord, we pray today that you'd help us to be honest with ourselves and listen to your word carefully and put your words into practice. Amen. Now, look a quick um quick comment that uh, uh, arising or. Quick comment from some questions arising out of last week. A little bit of confusion. I am sorry for that. There's a word in the English... Well, there's probably a few words, but I know of one. I mentioned it last week. A word in the English language, cleave. Now, uh, cleave or cleave to is one phrase or word which has two meanings that are opposite... Now, some people were confused by that, and that's fair enough, and I promise I won't do it again. Okay? I'll, I'll find a different word, but it's, that, it's, it's part of that expression that defines what marriage is. And so to cleave, the most common usage, let's be honest, is to split apart, okay? to, to, um, uh, to separate. That's what cleave means. But it also means to cleave to... Means that you stick to something or someone. You stay close to something or together with someone. So hence it fits in with our definition of what marriage is. We leave, cleave, this is from Genesis 2.24, leave, cleave, or stick closely to, and then um, one flesh. So there you go. Uh, and that's the way Jesus defined marriage as well. When he quoted, when he answered that question about marriage, he took us to Genesis 2.24. And he um, used those, uh, he used the words from Genesis 2.24. So, I'm sorry if that confused you. You now know it's not my fault, because the English language is a weird language. (laughs) There you go. Now, the other thing, you're not meant to start sermons with apologies. But anyway, I'm doing it twice today. Um, The other thing too, unfortunately, because a few leads, we're missing a lead or something happened with our PA last week. Anyway, and we were unable to record the sermon last week. Now, I know some people were away and wanted to catch up and, and, and hear it. Um, here's my offer. I'm happy to come around to your place and do a one-on-one. Uh, how good would that be? Um, I'm happy to do that. I don't expect that'll be a popular offer, but anyway. Um, but I'm also, uh, if you would like, um, if you want to grab my notes, you be welcome to do that. I stick fairly closely to them. Um, so you're very welcome to grab that. I can just email them to you. If you want to do that from last week, and we talked about marriage last week, now, what we're also working on is um, uh, me recording the sermon just at my desk. Um, although John uh, Bracht, who, who looks after PA stuff for us, he's away on holidays this week. Um, John suggested I get my, my dog and cat, cats. So I preach to my animals. That might be nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's, uh, that's the plan. Okay, we're thinking about better homes and TV today. If you've got in your bulletin, there was an outline there. It's double-sided. Um, don't let that put you off though let's, um, let's watch this clip to get us in the mood
1: we're officially two months behind we are at least 15,000 over it's a
0: nightmare
1: nightmare the windows do not fit you can't change that window
0: well, I'm working on a building it's a true foundation I'm
1: holding up the bloodstain for my lord and how much did it cost in the end? everything yeah. Well, that is beautiful. Kevin McLeod returns with a brand new series of Grand Designs, Wednesday at 9 on Channel 4.
0: That's the UK, Channel 4, by the way. Don't bother watching it here. Well, there you have it, though. Uh, so, owning your own home... Your own piece of land is not just the great Aussie dream, as is often described, but it's the great UK dream as well, isn't it? We want that dream to live in, she said. It signifies success, uh, security, a better life. Now why why, why is Grand Designs so popular? Well, I want to be honest with you today. You see, and I reckon I'm not alone in this. I don't watch it for the beautiful buildings, the architectural brilliance, the artistic flair and so forth. I don't watch it for that reason. I watch it because I want one. (laughs) I watch it because I want to live in one. And don't tell me you don't do the same if you watch it. Come on. That's why I watch it. Why is Better Homes and Gardens uh, such a popular TV show? It's been around for donkey's years. Because most of us want Better Homes and Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we watch it. The promo on YouTube for the 2018 season, so last year of Better Homes and Gardens, tells us, you can do it at your place. Bigger, brighter, better. Better. The reality is most of us are just not content with what we have. We don't want perfectly adequate homes and gardens. We want bigger, brighter and better homes and gardens. And the TV producers know it, don't they? They, they want you in, you know, suck you in. They want you buying and wanting and wishing. Uh, perhaps they know something that we too often forget, that money, wealth... Riches, as 1 Timothy 6 tells us, is a snare. It's a trap. It, it lures you in, so you crave more and more, but it never really satisfies. Now, there's nothing wrong with being rich. Money is a gift, and we're, but we're not to love it. A, a bigger, brighter, better house, having more money, is a false security. Where it's uncertain, 1 Timothy 6 says... Because it won't last and it can be taken away very quickly. A stock market crash, for example, is a good good example. Uh, The the real estate booms and busts. All wealth is a gift. Now, let's think about this way for a minute. The family into which you were born, uh, the economy, the time in history, all of these are gifts from God. At this time in history, to be born an Australian, in an, into an Australian family means the possibility of a wealth not even dreamed of by most people in the world. It's true. Not even dreamed of. That's the wealth we have. But wealth is not wrong. It's a gift and there to be enjoyed, to be thankful for, to be generous with, uh, as we read, uh, to share it. But is this wealth the best wealth there is? More on that in a few minutes. I want to suggest as we compare and contrast the world's view of wealth with God's, we need to have a material realism but not materialism. So that's the first sort of point on our outline there if you're following along. So the secular world around us, by definition, really is, is materialistic. That is, philosophically, this life is all there is. The physical universe is all there is. So get as much out of it as you can, this material stuff that we have. A material comfort is the goal. That's the world we live in. But, of course, Christians, too, believe in a material world. And it's good because God created it and said it was good. Poverty is not a godly state, and money is not the root of all evil, even though the non-Christian world thinks that's what we preach. No, no, the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. You cannot serve both God and money, Jesus said. In serving God, however, money is a great thing to have. Now, let's think about, as we think about this material realism but not materialism, let's think about the example of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 29. This is the, the advice that Jeremiah gives the exiles who are in Babylon. It's material realism but not materialism. So God tells the exiles in Babylon through the prophet Jeremiah to build houses and live in them, uh, to plant gardens and eat their produce to marry and have families, you can see it there. Even more, he says, seek the welfare of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you too you will find your welfare. Now, we too are in uh, exile, in uh, the spiritual Babylon, we could say, while we wait to get into the promised land, uh, our spiritual Jerusalem, heaven. We too should never forget... ...our spiritual Jerusalem. But while we wait here, we should go about the business of living. The exiles were tempted in two directions. To undermine Babylon, where they were exiles living in... ...or uh, to undermine Babylon as the enemy... ...or to enjoy living there so much that they forgot Jerusalem. So God says, don't do either. Don't do either. So today we've got exactly the same temptations denial of this world or denial of the next. Although, let's be honest, there aren't many of us who struggle with that first one, denial of this world. None of us are in great danger, really, of running off into the wilderness and becoming a monk and, you know, eating, going John the Baptist style. Although some days that does sound pretty good, doesn't it? Um, Our temptation is more to do that, that, that second one with materialism. Materialism quietly sort of moving in and taking hold in our lives. That, that's much more real to us. A brighter, bigger, better. a godly priorities being uh, set aside for worldly priorities and material priorities. That's, that's where our struggle is. The Apostle Paul says on the other hand, a godliness with contentment is great gain. It's a rivalry, isn't it? It's a rivalry. This again, if you're a bit of a tennis fan, not a huge tennis fan, to be honest. Um, but if you are, it, it, there's, you would have heard of the great rivalries. The, the you know, the Federer versus Nadal. Now, wouldn't that be a great final, the Australian Open this year? Everyone would love to see that. Um, in rugby league, if you're a league fan, you get the Dragons and the and the Bunnies. They play every year in a charity shield. It's called. Um, there's a great rivalry there. I watched a movie only recently about um, a movie called I, Tonya. It's, uh, it, it's told of the not-so-respectful rivalry of um, uh, the, the American figure skaters Tonya Harding and um, Nancy Kerrigan. Tonya Harding was the one who organised the, these, these blokes to go and bash Nancy Kerrigan's kneecaps story from the 80s. Uh, not a very respectful rivalry at all. Interestingly, in the Bible... When God competes with money for our affection, it's sometimes to um, amorous human relationships that he compares the rivalry. So he experiences jealousy whenever we we humans turn our backs on him and worship idols. Riches threaten to replace God in the same way. Uh, Riches threaten to replace God in the same way that the other woman is a threat to marriage. That's the language God uses. Interesting, isn't it? So God, in order to keep his bride, not only runs down the opposition and he stresses the futility and fleetingness of riches, but also offers more than his rival. God outbids his rivals hands down. The riches God offers are in reality of far greater worth Friends, I'm going, to, I'm going to give some practical suggestions in a few minutes uh, about materialism versus material realism. But first, I'd love you to listen well, just for the next few minutes, to the real wealth, the true riches we have in Jesus. Because I actually don't want you to walk away thinking, oh, I'm you know, worshipping money too much, blah, blah, blah. I've got to, I don't, in some ways, that we've got, to, we've got to be realistic with ourselves there as well. But what I really want you to do is walk away and know the true riches that we have in Jesus. So let's spend a few minutes thinking about that. You see, just about everyone wants to get rich. Or just a bit more money would be nice, wouldn't it? Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, A lot of people entered... No, I'll say that again. A lot of people (laughs) entered Thursday night's Powerball to get a jackpot of $107 A lot of people had to do that. I don't know what the numbers were, actually tried to look them up, couldn't find them. But 170 million in Australia, that means a lot of people put their money in. But the desire to be rich is something that God knows and uses to his advantage. One of the um, substances most frequently mentioned in the Bible is gold. So it's often used in... So often in association with riches and power and greatness and royalty and that sort of thing. Uh, it's even one of the three gifts given to the infant Jesus, of course. But what God offers is far greater worth than gold. So Psalm, uh, no, Psalm 19, verse 10. They, uh, God's laws, are more precious than gold. God's word is more precious than gold. Than much pure gold. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 14. For she, uh, God's wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. And if wealth is about having the abundance of material goods, it's no accident the Bible uses the language of abundance for spiritual goodness. Again, your outline's got more references and you can look them up later. But God's abundant goodness, mercy, power, grace, salvation wisdom knowledge bring people his comfort and peace in abundance do some homework if you like look at those look at those passages it's overwhelming god's goodness god's abundant goodness mercy power grace salvation wisdom knowledge bring people his comfort and peace in abundance it's lavished on us lavished over the top the promise of true riches, both now and in the age to come, is is often in the context of and as a comfort in financial loss. So there's heaps of examples. Again, um, I mentioned just a couple. Again, you can see in your outlines there. So Mark ten twenty nine to thirty, Jesus promises those uh, who have left homes and fields for the sake of a, um, for his sake will receive a hundred times as much in return to make up for their losses. In Philippians 4.19, the Philippian Christians are promised blessing according to God's riches in glory in Christ Jesus in return for their generous giving and in, in supporting Paul. That's true riches, true riches. And as we, um, as we read earlier, 1 Timothy 6 verses 5 and 6 turns the tables on those false teachers who are looking to get rich through religion. Probably know some of them, heard of some of them today even. Paul writes, he stresses that godliness with contentment brings great, not material gain, it brings great spiritual gain. Godliness with contentment. And in in Christ, Paul describes himself as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Everything. Even though he's got nothing. And in Philippians 3, I've put this one up on screen. Paul again says... But whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It has true riches in knowing Jesus. It leaves the riches of this world for absolute, absolutely for dead. True riches when this world falls apart on us. And when life is pretty bad. True riches when my soul is poor and broken. We've got true riches in Jesus. Real wealth, a real treasure. True riches when my heart is broken. True riches when my bank balance is zero. And true riches when I've got a million there. True riches in joy, in sorrow. True riches in his love. True riches forever. Well, here in a minute I'm going to play you a song. Those are some of the words. uh, words. It says, Take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abides forever, through eternal years the same. Take the world, but give me Jesus, sweetest comfort of my soul, with my Saviour watching over me, I can sing though billows roll. O the height and depth of mercy, O the length and breadth of love. There's true riches in Jesus. Forget Powerball. If you want to be really rich, keep trusting in Jesus. Now, my guess is, if you're a follower of Jesus, um, you're with me right now. You're with me, absolutely. Absolutely, true riches in Jesus. I want to keep trusting in him. I want to do that. Uh, I'm convinced of it. And you know the temptations of wealth and riches, you feel it, um, and you know it's a trap. You don't want to get snared by it, you know it's a trap and you don't want to go down that path. You know the importance of being content, you know not to covet, you know these things if you follow the Jesus. It's no news to you. And you know of the true riches, the eternal wealth is to have Jesus as your Lord. It's good to be reminded of it, isn't it? That's what we want to remember today. The true riches of Jesus your saviour, as your friend, as your Lord. And, 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 and most of us are convinced of that, of, of the true riches we have in Jesus. If you're not convinced of that, today's the day to become uh, convinced of Jesus' true riches. Put your trust in him. But it's hard not to get caught up in it, isn't it? It's hard. Uh, to want it more. Uh, to find your security in wealth, to want brighter, bigger and better. It's hard not to get caught up in that. So I want to offer, well, I want to offer four practical suggestions. There's a lot of suggestions and tips, and this is where morning tea comes in, it's most powerful. Talk to each other and say, well, this works for me at the moment, struggling with this, but I'm trying to do this, and that helps. Um, today it might be a day for radical change as we think about money and, and houses and wealth and material things it might be a day for radical change who knows you might be that person who says Graham I'm going out to the out to wilderness for, for the rest of my life I'll see you later that's what I'm going to do don't really recommend that but radical change might be a number of different things but more likely it's just going to be a day of one more step just one more step that's all just one more step towards godliness with contentment, for that's great gain. You can probably think of something. But I'm going to give you a few little suggestions. Okay, here's the first one. Practical suggestion number one, and I've left some gaps in your um, outline that you can fill in. If you don't have a pen, you have to remember them. Number one, be generous, give. Here's a question for us. How can we serve something that we give away? We can't. We give it away. We're not serving. How can we serve someone if we give it away? It's a great cure to materialism, don't you think? So be organized with your giving. Uh, if you give to church here, be organized with it. Use direct debit if you can. Um, uh, if you're giving to ministry here, that helps us as a parish council plan ministry really well. Uh, be generous, be joyful, a sacrificial giver. The Bible says. But be realistic as well and know that there'll be times in life when circumstances change and therefore giving changes. And that's okay. That's all right. Practical suggestion number two. First one is be generous, give. Number two is involve the family. Now, I'm really speaking to parents here. I'm not going to speak for very long. But talk to your kids about being generous and sacrificial giving and show them. Talk Talk to them about contentment and that what we see on TV is not where true riches lie. Talk to them about that. Help them uh, to be part of it, uh, a part of your generosity. So take a less expensive holiday and give away the difference of what you would have spent. Talk to them about that. How's that for a suggestion? Sponsor a compassion child together as a family, or two or three. Uh, Give to a Bible college instead of going out and celebrating Dad's birthday. All right? We're going to do that next year. My birthday's coming up. We're going to do it, all right? Instead of going out this year, true. Yeah, still it's only only a lot long, isn't it? So that's what we're going to do. Um, Do that, if you like. There's an idea. But lots of suggestions. So, but involve the family and teach them and help them talk to them about uh, giving and being generous and be a good example of generosity. Okay, number three, uh, practical suggestion number three, accountability. This is just a quick one. And this is where small groups and our community groups, our Bible study groups help. Uh, find a good couple of friends and speak openly and honestly about wealth and possessions and giving. Now, don't, that's not to show off your giving or anything like that. That's not a, a godly thing to do. But encourage each other to follow Jesus and trust in God, not in what God gives. So talk honestly. Find a few friends that you can do that with. Um, I've I've done that over the years with a few friends. I still see them. We talk openly and honestly about money and and what we have and how much we give, and and it helps. Number four, here we go. Regarding luxuries, I'm going to ask you a bit of a difficult question, okay? Would you give as much to relieve poverty as you would spend on, say, your subscriptions on Netflix, or your shoe collection, or on your wine cellar, or on holidays or sporting events? And if not, why not? What possible reason could there be for us not matching our luxuries with generosity to the destitute? What possible reason could there be? Of course, no one's saying give away everything, And conversely, there's no suggestion that being wealthy, as we've talked about, is in any way unchristian. But what we find as we read the Bible is that the rich are are urged to match their wealth with generosity. Now, what else could loving your neighbour as yourself mean in monetary terms? 1 Timothy 6 tells us that the rich are to put their hope or trust in God and match their wealth by being rich in good deeds especially good deeds in the financial variety, being generous and willing to share, 1 Timothy 6 says. So on the assumption then that wealth should be matched with generosity, let me close with this practical suggestion to help us trust in God and not in what God gives us. It's not a rule. It's a bit of a guideline, I suppose, and one that Michelle and I have tried to do over the years. Sometimes we're pretty good at it, sometimes we're not. Um, and it might be just that one more step. Just that one step. I've got it written on your outline there so you won't forget. Why not be as generous to others as you are luxurious to yourself? Why not be as generous to others as you are luxurious to yourself? So don't feel guilty about buying the nice bottle of wine. Just match it with a gift to Anglicare. Why not? Uh, get takeaway when you've had a hard day and don't feel like cooking and all the rest of it, but why not send the same amount to Tear Fund or Compassion Australia? Uh, It's fantastic that the Lord has blessed us with the resources to attend sporting events, the movies, play golf, go cycling, surfing, uh, eat in nice restaurants, go to the theatre, but why on earth would we not budget with equal charity to put food in the mouths and clothes on the back of the world's impoverished? Why wouldn't we do that? Why not be as generous to others as you are luxurious to yourself? It's challenging, isn't it? I first read that in a book, uh, a book called Beyond Greed, 15 years ago. Still struggling with it. Way more than that, maybe. In the 90s somewhere. Yeah. Gee, time flies, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) Trying to do it myself. Not perfect at it, but it's a really good guideline. Why not be as generous to others as you are luxurious to yourself and budget for that? There you go. Okay, well, here's our little take-homes. Let's tie a few things together. Material realism, not materialism. A chase after true riches, not the fake stuff. And we've given some practical examples, uh, suggestions, uh, some of which will challenge us and lead us maybe to good radical change. Who knows? We'll pray for that. Do you remember, um, as we watched this little clip at the start, the Grand Designs clip, uh, Kevin McLeod, he's the, the host... He asks the couple, how much has it cost you? Do you remember the answer? Everything. Everything. Interesting, wasn't it? Everything. Jesus said, that's what chasing after worldly riches will do to you. It'll cost you everything. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, what good will it be? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or well, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Maybe today is the day for radical change. Maybe it's just the day for one more step. How about I pray, and then I'm going to play a song. Uh, I quoted it before. It's a great song of reminding us of the true riches we have in Jesus. And when we put our trust in the riches of this world... We're just getting second best. We're nowhere near getting the best. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we know that true riches are in you, so Lord, take this world and give us Jesus. Let us be content in him, for that is gain. Thank you for the height and depth of your mercy, your love, the fullness of your redemption your forgiveness, your faithfulness, your rule, the cross of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Rob.
1: This cross my trust shall be, take this world and give me Jesus till that day, my Lord I sing, take this world.
0: Amen to that. Amen. Let's be Americans. So, amen. Amen. <laughs> it means I agree. Amen. So there you go, um, friends. Some good challenges there. I, I, I did want to um, uh, actually, right? Just grab those house lights on again, if you can.